Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Well, 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 what a remarkable end to another quite remarkable week. Donald Trump has revealed that he and his wife Melania have tested positive for coronavirus just three days after he beat up presidential contender Joe Biden in the first big debate in Cleveland. What does it mean for the next big debate? What does it mean for the four more years campaign? We'll be finding out this morning. Meanwhile, the SNP have suspended one of their Westminster MPs for completely ignoring the coronavirus restrictions and travelling to Westminster and back to Scotland when she knew she had the COVID virus. Margaret Ferrier, MP for Rutherglen, says she's very sorry for making a mistake but even her own colleagues are calling for her to resign. Surely there should be some kind of mechanism now in place whereby if one of the lawmakers actually breaks the law there is immediately some kind of recall system in place and they have at the very least to have a by-election. Meanwhile Boris Johnson will be heaving a sigh of relief that he's not on the front pages this morning uh, because everybody else is. We'll be getting John Rental from The Independent on with his verdict on the way things are. 0344 499 1000 coming up this morning Later on, we're talking to travel journalist Lisa Francesca Nand on the news that Turkey and Poland have joined the naughty quarantine list, leaving us with just six options of places to go. Half term is looming in a couple of weeks. What are you doing? Plus, we're joined by Charles Ray, royal author, who will explain why the Queen isn't going back to work after all and why Harry and Meghan think Britain suffers from, in their words, structural racism. And businessman Donald McLeod joins us as well as Scotland prepares for a second lockdown under the increasingly strident and autocratic office of the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. 0344 499 1000 is the number. That's not all, of course. As ever, we want to hear from you, the eyes and ears of the independent republic. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And what are you doing this stormy weekend? And looking out uh, over the rooftops of London, it really does look pretty gloomy. Storm Alex has well and truly arrived, ladies and gentlemen, and it ain't pretty. Uh, It's Friday, of course, so it's time as well for the Perrier Awards in the company of producer Marta Malagon. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Well, it all happened a little bit too late for the morning newspapers, I'm afraid. So the morning newspapers, instead of being covered uh, with stories about the president uh, of the United States of America being diagnosed with coronavirus, we've got the Cove idiot MP on the front page of the Sun, lock clown Margaret Ferrier, felt unwell, asked for a test, but still hopped on a train to take part in a debate 
in the House of Commons. Her test came back positive, but she took a train 350 miles back to near Glasgow the next day. Great, isn't it? Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Let's talk to John Rental, uh, our good friend from the Independent Chief Political Commentator, of course. John, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Well, just when you thought things couldn't get any more bizarre, you know, here we are, uh, Friday, and uh, we've got the biggest sort of story from Westminster probably of the month so far. I know it's only the 2nd of October. Um, and then, and then, sure enough, the leader of the free world comes out and goes, I've got the coronavirus. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Um, it's a bit of a shocker. Yeah. Uh, he... Um, and of course, all his opponents piling on to point out that he made fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask and none of his support, well, half of his supporters at the debate weren't wearing masks and the other half were. I mean, I do think the masks are a bit of a, a, a sideshow because yeah. I mean, there's not much evidence that they uh, that they control the spread of the virus anyway. Right. Uh, and they're essentially designed to protect uh, other people, not the person who's wearing the mm. mask. Uh, but no doubt uh, that that will be a huge uh, boost to to the Democrats, to the sort of people who are going to vote uh, for Joe Biden anyway. The interesting question is whether it has any effect on uh, President Trump's support, because, of course, he doesn't want coronavirus to be the main subject of this election campaign. But now it uh, is pretty much guaranteed that it will be for the next two weeks, at least. Well, the belief is as well that he contracted it from Hope Higgs, who's one of his top aides, right? So through no fault of his own, you might say. I see a slightly different outcome here, because if, for example, although he's in a quite high risk category, if, for example, he has a relatively mild bout of coronavirus and he emerges from it, you can see him standing at the next debate, you know, with his fist in the air going, I beat the coronavirus, you know, it would have killed him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, if he, if, I mean, he's, he and Melania don't have any symptoms at the moment. Right. So if he sails through it in the way that some people uh, do seem to, but not, not Boris Johnson, no. uh, then you're right. I mean, that might well work in his favour because he'll come across as, uh, as some kind of strong man. Yeah. Uh, but I Which would I absolutely fit his narrative, wouldn't it? Well, it would. It would. Uh, but if, if obviously, if on the other hand, he, he has a Boris Johnson type experience, then that is going to be very different because mm. he won't be able to uh, he won't be able to uh, take part in the uh, in the election campaign much uh, except by video and, mm. and and we remember those videos of, of of Boris Johnson when he didn't look very well but no. was trying to hide it and trying to hide his cough right um, and that if that happens to to Donald Trump then I think the effect will be very different yes yeah, so we'll have to keep our eyes on it I guess over the next two weeks because I think there is a kind of two week period. Uh, over which you can discover how how bad it's going to get because it's still very very weird, isn't it? That that, that poor poor old Boris Johnson got it so badly that he almost died. He ended up in the ICU uh, in the same way that that poor Kate Garraway's husband is suffering as well. And yet, so many people get it, and and it doesn't appear to affect them really at all. Well, that's the nature of it, isn't yeah. it? It's random, um, and it affects uh, very few people. Uh, severely mm. uh, and you know Donald Trump's chances I mean people say he's in a high risk category I mean he is he's quite old and he's not uh, he's not sylph like uh, funnily enough uh, I was but... about to say those exact words how amazing not sylph like was exactly <laughs> my word my wording would have been as well <laughs> <laughs> but even so uh, you know the chances of him actually getting it severely or uh, worse dying Mm. Are are very remote, mm. uh, so I think, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, the, there is the danger from from Joe Biden's point of view that he sails through it and uh, and comes 
comes through as some kind of uh, survivor Superman. Yes, well, exactly uh, right. But, I mean, one thing that is interesting is that I'm told that betting uh, on the outcome of the election has been suspended. And I mean, it's a famous thing in politics to say that all the betting uh, companies never get it wrong, which is actually untrue because they have got it wrong in the yeah. past before. But it's quite extraordinary. They usually do. What an extraordinary <laughs> thing for them to suspend the betting, though. Well, no, I mean, that's because they can't work out whether to, <laughs> you know, which, which way to make money. Right. Uh, so they're going to wait. They're, mm. they're going to wait and see, I suppose. But uh, yeah, no, and, and presumably it'll have some effect in the, in the markets. I mean, markets don't like uncertainty and they'll. Uh, They'll, they'll be yeah, I mean, I'm seeing oil actually... prices down 3%, but I'm not sure if that's anything to do with Trump. I'm, I can't really tell. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's unlikely. Mm. I, and, and the thing is, uh, obviously, world leaders and politicians are going to be, uh, they're, they're high-risk individuals because they they spend so much of their time meeting other people. Yeah. I mean, that's that's their job. Even if, you know, even if you're trying to do social distancing, they're going to come into contact yeah. with, with more people than, than most of us. And that's why... You know, Boris Johnson's had it. That's why, you know, Margaret Ferrier probably uh, got yes. it. And, well, uh, because inevitably, know, that... they not only are they meeting quite a lot of people, but they're meeting quite a lot of people that have met lots of other people, because particularly yes. during a, an election campaign, you, I mean, most of his aides in the White House will be out doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of politics is that you're going to be interacting with mm. uh, with more people. Uh, and that's why, um, you know, that's obviously why Jeremy Corbyn's getting in the neck for uh, having dinner with with nine people the other yeah. day and uh, having having to apologise. Although the old, yeah, the old socialist asparagus tips brigade, you know, didn't actually have to all meet and have dinner. You know, that wasn't actually part of any kind of election process. They were all, you know, anarchists, activists, you know, artists, <laughs> you know, Islington specialists. You know, it was quite an amusing. I mean, isn't it wonderful how you know you cannot actually satirise lefties you got you really can't because they really do satirize each other and themselves brilliantly well well according to the times this morning it was a dinner to uh, to commemorate the death of uh, of a friend of his so uh, well uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't be too too light about it but i mean you know he's he's a lawmaker and can't be can't be a lawbreaker, but he seems to he seems to have got away with it because yeah I don't think well what, police, you know i read this morning he's not he's not going to be fined well why not a good question, uh, because you know Margaret Ferrier, I suspect, is going to pay uh, quite a heavy price for her uh, foolishness, and and rightly so. I yes. mean, I think uh, I think she will not be the. M- I mean, she, she will have announced her resignation by the end of today. Yes. Uh, you think she'll I mean, actually step they- away from the job then? I think she has to. I mean, she hasn't got any other job to resign from, has right. she? So, so <laughs> I mean, in a sense. You know, if she'd been a front bencher, she could have resigned from from that. Yeah, and, and yeah but I mean, as, as far seat, as I know, I as, to... as we speak, she's only been suspended by Ian Blackford, hasn't she? Yes, but I think I mean we've heard what uh, Nicola Sturgeon's yeah. had to say. Pretty damning. Uh, the deputy leader of the group in Westminster, uh, whose name temporarily escapes me, mm. has has also called for her to stand down. So I think I think I think I think she will be standing down from Westminster, and there'll be. And there'll be a by-election, which, of course, I mean, in crude, cynical political terms, uh, the SNP will be very pleased to have, because mm. I imagine they would do extremely well in a by-election. So uh, well, that, will be, be interesting. that will be no problem. It will them. be interesting to see, actually, that, because there is quite a lot of disquiet from people in Scotland um, who are fed up to the back teeth. And, and I'm going to be going up there later on in the show today to talk to a businessman who's, who's very sure that there's a second lockdown coming in Scotland, which a lot of business people are very unhappy about. So, you know, those who were absolutely slavishly supportive of Nicola Sturgeon even two months ago uh, are starting to say, you know, this is now getting a bit ridiculous. 
Yeah, no, they they hate her so much that she's she's over fifty percent in the opinion polls. Uh, Mike, no, don't so, get me uh, started on the polls. We had this conversation last time you were on. You know, <laughs> you know, it depends uh, who you SMP... ask. I mean, you're still the guy that thinks that seventy seven percent of people in England want more restrictions. You know, which they don't. Forty five percent, I think I said, uh, which is what uh, YouGov. Well, no, YouGov. No, I YouGov mean... had seventy seven percent of people wanting the restrictions that we have currently and 44% yes. wanting more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the the balance of public opinion, as, as I think I, we said last, I, I, I told you last time, as we argued is, in last favor, time. is in favour yeah. of further further restrictions rather than easing the, the yes. restrictions we have. Well, we're not going to go back over that because I was bored about with it last time. Here's the thing, <laughs> right? The, the, but the point is, is if she wants to bring in more restrictions, she can hardly have an MP uh, who flouts them, really, can she? No, that's right, and that's why I think uh, that's why I think she's going to have to stand down. Yeah, um, but just to go back uh, to Corbyn for a second, I mean, why is he not being fined? What's the reason? Um, well, you'd have to ask the police that. I mean, I presume it would be up to the police to uh, to find him. I mean, they've got the evidence. Yeah, uh, they need. Mm. Uh, it's it's pretty straight straight up straightforward. Uh, everybody in that photo uh, should be uh, should be paying a. Is it a two hundred pound fine or four hundred? I believe it's two. I believe it's two hundred. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's uh, that's pretty straightforward. And I, I would have thought if if Jeremy Corbyn had any uh, honour, he would he would offer to he would offer to come forward and pay it himself. Because I mean, it's it's a very it's a basic rule, isn't it? I mean, if you, well, why should well, should he not? You can't well, break I mean, them. If if you're going to get uh, the SNP MP to resign, shouldn't he resign as well then? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's less serious offence, is Mike, it? Because I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's he's broken the rules, but uh, he hasn't actually, you know, gone up and down the country on a train, uh, risking infecting other people. I mean, I think that's... Uh, well, he has risked infecting... Well, there is a difference. He's surely risked infecting the other eight people that were at the dinner party. Well, but he hasn't tested positive. Um, I mean, I think there is there is a bit of a difference there. I mean, he has failed to observe rules which are designed to... Uh, to protect people generally, but I mean, yeah. he hasn't acted irresponsibly. But this is, but this is in the background of the rest of us walking around having to put masks on every time we get on the tube. But if we don't, we risk getting either shouted at by people on the tube or being given an on-the-spot fine by the police. So I don't think it is different. I think if you're going to have rules and you're going to say that these are the punishments if you break the rules, then surely you have to give yeah. people the fine. Otherwise, it's a joke. Well, I think he should. I think he should be fined, um, and uh, I think he's got previous. I mean, he. He obviously is a bit of an anti. He's, he's like you, Mike. He's a bit of an anti-lockdowner because I mean, he when uh, I, when I Parliament was to be categorised. <laughs> when Parliament, <laughs> when Parliament went over to to remote uh, r- remote yes. uh, sittings, he he kept on turning up in in person. Well, and that, and he that was, was he and that, was seventy. And, yeah, well, that was when they were telling people over seventy to stay home, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, so uh, and but I mean that was voluntary, mm. uh, but he. He clearly didn't agree with it, and he's uh, and he's been he's you know he's been caught uh, uh, not observing social distancing before. Uh, he he is clearly you know al- along with his brother a bit of a lockdown sceptic. Mm, yeah, I mean, given uh, everything else that's happened this week, it's 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 easy to forget that it's been quite a momentous week actually for Boris. You know, he had his press briefing where he said you know he didn't really want to lock anybody down, but he might have to uh, if we didn't do what he wanted us to do shortly before. His dad was seen not doing what he wanted him to do uh, in a shop without a mask on. I mean, it's been quite remarkable um, in terms of of Witty and Valence kind of more or less admitting that they've been trying to scare people for the last month, coming up with numbers that they actually can't back up 
You know, it's been an extraordinary... Uh, PMQs was pretty extraordinary with Keir Starmer. You know, um, the coronavirus bill goes through, so God knows what powers they're going to have. I mean, we need almost need all day for this, John. <laughs> well, well, let's take, take the most important thing, which I thought was... Uh was on Tuesday when, when Boris Johnson went down to Exeter to give a completely yes. pointless speech about... Yeah, uh, what was education. that all about? Uh, well, it, uh, nobody knows because nobody paid any attention no. to the speech because the only thing that was interesting was his question, was his question and answer session with journalists <laughs> afterwards where he managed to make a complete hash right. of the new rules in the North East. Absolutely. Which is the one thing that his advisers should have briefed him on. Right. Uh, because it was bound to come up because a minister, Gillian Keegan, had made a... Uh, had, well... She had actually handled it quite well that morning, although she didn't know what, mm. the, what the rules were. But she said, I do not know what the rules were. I don't want to mislead people. You can look them up, which, right. would, you know, which was not a satisfactory answer, but it, it was... It was it's better than getting wrong, I suppose. But I mean, I, mean, I was actually... I mean, I was, I was quite sympathetic for once to him because I thought, well, I don't actually know what they are either. And they're so confusing and ridiculous. Yeah, but you're, that, that, you're you not know. Prime Minister, Mike. Yeah, and but I mean, I feel like you know, I should he, know, but I don't know because it keeps changing. I mean, it changed again yesterday. You could have looked it up, though. It would have taken you five seconds. Uh, the point is, the prime minister was bound to be asked that, and somebody should have briefed him. Perhaps somebody did brief him, and he, you know, he just forgotten mm. and, and 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 muddled it muddled it up. But it yeah. was it was very very simple, actually. I mean, people say how complicated these rules are. They're not complicated at all. That 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 change in the northeast was very simple. You know, no mixing of households right. indoors. That was all. That was all the prime minister had to remember, yeah. and he managed to get it wrong. Mm. So therefore. You know, he so so we saw an awful lot of him on Wednesday the next day, trying not to make uh, a mess of things in the hope that people would uh, would would forget about. Uh, and then that, they changed the rules again, just in case anybody asked him again, because he would have forgotten about it the next time. But it is mad. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was making an analogy that I said I literally don't know what I can do if I take a train to Newcastle, hopefully avoiding uh, any COVID lively SNP members on the way back up to Scotland. You know, I get off at Newcastle at the main train station there where there's a pub. I don't know if I can go into that pub with somebody I met on the train. I don't know if I can go into that pub and meet somebody who's no, not from the, from the train. If, no, it's very if, simple. If no, mix, no mixing of households indoors, Mike. So I, mean, I can't go you know, to a pub and meet somebody? With so, for, for, with someone from another household yeah, in I the can. North East. No, you, no, you can't. I thought the household thing was in the household, though. You can't go to another house. No, indoors. So indoors. What uh, if I sit really outside the pub, then? Well, that is that that is the grey area where I can accept that people might get mixed yeah. up. Yeah, but my point is, the, is that you because, and I, because the advice is don't mix don't mix households out of doors. Yeah, uh, but that's not the law. The law is don't mix households indoors. Yeah, but my point it. is, John, you and I talk about this every day, and we're still wondering exactly what the law is on exactly one particular scenario. So it's not surprising that yeah. most people have no clue. Yeah, but he's the prime minister, Mike. No, I'm not. No, it's I'm not, his no, I've, job. I've, listen, it's I've, his job no, to I'm know not def- what the no, rules are. No, I'm not are. defending him. I'm just saying, as a general rule, the rules are ridiculous. Because here we have you no, no. on the one hand saying everybody should know what they are, but nobody does. He should know what they are, but he doesn't. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn should know what it is, but he doesn't apparently care. Doesn't no, get, Jeremy does, Corbyn knows perfectly does, well what and the rules are. Get, he and, them. and he doesn't get fined for doing it. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's in, that's inconsistent. It's not. It's it's not good. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, all these MPs complaining about the uh, uh, the, the 10 p.m. curfew on 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 pubs. Mm. Um, uh, seem to. I mean, it's. I'm slightly contradicting myself here because they don't seem to know what the rules are. And uh, the rules in Parliament are that those that, that that those regulations imposing that 10 p.m. closing time in pubs 
do have to go before Parliament in the next um, in the next 28 days or mm, so, right. or 28 days after after they came into effect. Uh, so MPs will have a say on that, and uh, they ought to uh, they ought to get their procedural act together. And if they really don't like that 10 p.m. curfew, they can get rid of it. Yeah. They can vote against it. But do you not get the sense, as I do, that basically all these rules are being made and not very many people are actually adhering to them? Uh, no, I think I think in general people are trying to adhere to them. Well, they're sort of, sort of saying that they are, but they're not really. Well, and then there's people like the Prime Minister's father who nip into a shop to buy a copy of the copy of the newspaper and forget right. to put their mask on. I mean, I, th- I think we've all we've all probably all forgotten to put our mask on and, at, at, at some point. I mean, that's that's that, that's that's legit. But I think I think most people when I was when I've been on the tube in London, I have been astonished, actually, about either the number. I mean, nearly everybody is wearing a, a, yeah. a mask and wearing it properly as well. Not, yeah, none of this sort I think it depends you know, what time as well, because different. I went out for dinner um, a couple of weeks back. And on the way to dinner, everyone's mask was on. On the way home, it was all that none of them were wearing one. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you're making the government's case for the for the 10 p.m. Uh, close close down time because I mean, if you get people out of pubs uh, earlier, they're more likely to be uh, to to act responsibly and behave the rules. But if they stay in for another another hour drinking, they're less likely. Yeah, to, I'm not even sure it's that. I that, think but... I think it's just like more likely that people who are out in the evening are less likely to adhere to the rules than people who are commuting home from work, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is also true. I mean, there is a real problem with these rules, which is that, you know, they depend not on, you know, police enforcement, but on people observing other people following mm. the rules. Yeah. I mean, if, if everybody looks around them and thinks, oh, well, they're not following the rules, so I, I won't bother, right. then it's all gonna, it, it is all going to break down. And I think that was really what the Prime Minister was trying to do this week. Mm. He was trying to... Uh, that's why he had that fairly pointless uh, press conference with, uh, with uh, Chris Whitty and uh, yeah. Patrick Vallance, where right. they didn't announce anything new. But, I mean, they were just trying to stress how important it was to follow the existing rules. Yeah. But, I mean, I thought the other quite important point, and we'll have to go in a moment, but I thought the other quite important moment was when um, a backbench Tory MP, a Tory grandee, uh, indeed, called for Whitty uh, and Vallance to be sacked on the basis that they were misleading the public, which is an extraordinary thing to say in the House of Commons. <laughs> it was. Desmond and, Swain, uh, right? Yes. I mean... That well, he's he he is representative of a of a small minority of libertarian uh, conservative MPs uh, who take who take that view, and you know the prime minister to to his credit, as far as I'm concerned, does not take that view. Uh, he did he did the right thing, I think, uh, last weekend. He, he invited, or was it the weekend before? He invited a a, a, a big range of uh, scientists scientists to come to come into Number Ten, either virtually or in in person. Huh. And actually, sort of argue argue it out. And I thought I thought that was absolutely the right thing to do. He had anti-lockdowns. He had that Swedish guy, uh, and he had uh, Witty and Valance as well. And in Witty and Valance are in the sort of middle position uh, in the scientific uh, so-called community. Uh, and he he's decided to go with them. And I think that's the safest place for him to be. Indeed. So uh, would I be right in assuming that you you would give the prime minister seven out of ten this week? Oh well, I did think that that 
mess up on the on the northeast rules on Tuesday was unforgivable. I I'd mark him down heavily for that. Six okay. out of ten. Six out of ten. Not bad though. John Rental, more of a fan of the Prime Minister than I am at the moment, which is quite remarkable. But there we are. Uh, Chief correspondent, uh, political commentator, of course, for the Independent. Uh, let's find out uh, what you think about it all. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number uh, nicola sturgeon has just tweeted this i've spoken to margaret ferrier and made clear my view that she should step down as an mp i did so with a heavy heart she is a friend and a colleague but her actions were dangerous and indefensible i have no power to force an mp to resign but i hope she will do the right thing so that's a bit passive aggressive isn't it this is talk radio talk radio now do you remember that beleaguered couple who left the country because of uh, the invasion of their privacy do you remember them they went to Canada to a remote island to make sure that nobody could ever take another picture of them, to make sure that nobody could ever know what they were doing, so that they could raise their friendless child, Archie, in a manner to which he had become accustomed. Well, I'm afraid they're back. And uh, this time they've given an interview to the Evening Standard. <laughs> One of the papers uh, in this country that they're not suing currently. Uh, they may sue them at, at another time. Um, but Harry and Meghan, I'm afraid... Uh, are in the news once more, back on the front pages, because Harry has decided um, to reveal to the world that basically Meghan has enriched his life to such an extent that he's realised what a complete and utter moron he used to be until he met her. Let's have a listen. I've had a, a sort of an awakening as such of my own because I, I wasn't aware of so many of the issues and so many of the problems with uh, within the UK, but also globally as well. I thought I did, but I didn't. Um, and and this isn't about pointing the finger, this isn't about blaming anybody, this is just about using this opportunity this month, as I said, to introduce Brits to other Brits that they might not know about or they might not have heard about. And I think the, the power of community that comes from that is absolutely vast, especially for, for, for young black men and young black girls. Well, and I think also what it does is just remind people of our shared humanity. Yeah. And that's the takeaway. It's, it's, um, it's educational, but it's also really exciting just to find more people in the community that are, in, that are um, inspirational. <sighs> Dear God, this message is brought to you from our 11 million pound mansion in California. Let's talk to Charles Ray from uh, the former royal editor of The Sun. Charles, I mean, how much more of this are we supposed to put up with? I have no idea, mate. I mean, it's, I mean, this, this, you, you let a, a huge sigh there, and I, and I have to say, I was saying with you in unison, <laughs> um, because I, I, I'm, I'm, I've lost the plot with these two now. And it's a pity that Prince Harry didn't realise that uh, structural racism was, uh, you know, around when he was using a racial slur against a fellow cadet mm. at Sandhurst. Yes, or when he decided to. And he decided to dress up in a Nazi uniform to go to a party because he thought it was funny. Mm. And now we have him, uh, you know, being all woke and everything else. And, uh, you know, our eyes have been opened to UK racism. Well, hang on a minute, pal. You're now living in the States, probably one of the most racist countries in the in the world. Mm. Where we see, we're seeing all sorts of um, uh, uh, mass gatherings and shoutings yeah. and shootings and and killings, and oh, get a grip, for God's sake. I mean, this country is a great country, and I'm not suggesting 
that there's not a problem with racism. Of course there is. But it's a minor problem. We're always going to have stupid people yeah. who are going to be racist. And we have got to clamp down on them and they've got to be taken to court and they've got to be dealt with. But to, to, try, and, to try and suggest that the country as a whole is a hotbed of racism is absolutely disgraceful. And as you, and as you started off in your intro, here is a couple who wanted complete privacy. Well, please, have your privacy and leave us alone. Yeah, exactly. I, I want them to stop invading my privacy, to be honest. I'll get fed up with it. But, I mean, here's the other thing, right? I mean, I could happily accept that Harry was an, indeed a complete and utter out-of-touch plonker. Because guess what? Him and his ridiculous hooray Henry mates that used to hang around uh, in, in that uh, nightclub on uh, on that, the, the island down at South Ken. What's it called? Boogies, I think it was called. Um, where he spent every night in there, you know, sort of shacking up with various, uh, you know, sort of uh, what you might regard as aristocratic blondes, you know, one night after another, you know. But, I mean, it doesn't mean that everybody else was like that. Just because he was an idiot, just because he didn't know anything, just because he wasn't aware of stuff, because he happens to be raised in a very privileged life, uh, doesn't mean that he can now start lecturing everybody else. Well, I wasn't raised in a very privileged life at Me all. Me neither. I, I mean, even, no, yeah, exactly. But even we realised, you know, what, what was different um, uh, about different people, and you did not call people racial slurs against other people because of the different colour of skin too. No. I mean, we've got to get on in this country and I'd like to I don't see people as black and white in this country. I just see people. Yeah. It's that, it's just that simple. It's not it's not a difficult it's not a difficult equation to work out. It's just people and if you're nice to them, they'll be nice to you. Except for the ones who are going to be nasty, irrespective of their colour, they're going to be nasty. Yeah. And that's how we've got to deal with it. But as you said, I mean, there's a huge problem with racism in America. There always has been. You know, now it's actually worse than ever. And I've been seeing more and more reports over the past couple of weeks since the presidential campaign has kind of kicked into uh, uh, into real battle zones now, where you've got black militias kind of, you know, marching up and down the streets of major cities of America you know, sort of armed to the teeth with automatic weapons, you know, police officers getting shot, um, police officers shooting black people. I mean, they could go out and do some more locally based work, couldn't they? they, they, they well, they could. And, and that what, what that debate between uh, Trump and Biden exposed, uh, that awful debate, it was absolutely disgraceful for two supposedly sensible politicians to get involved in that. But what that exposed is, you know, you've got this black militia lot, and you've got the white militia lot. All of them, all of them are armed to the teeth. Yeah. Well, maybe they should just put them all in a field together and mm. let them just sort it out there and there. Yeah. And maybe that'll solve the problem. Yeah, exactly right. But I think, you know, we are getting heartily sick and tired of these two. And if he's not careful, Harry, uh, whenever he does decide to come back here, uh, he will get the very opposite of a warm welcome. Well, I'm sure he will get... No, absolutely, there is not going to be a warm welcome for Harry at all. And they're going to be back, certainly they're going to be back next year. It looks like it's certainly as early as January because we've got this court case that's due to start and I'm... And I'm I'm already sharpening my pencils yes. because I think it's going to be if, if she gets into that court case and they start questioning her about you know finding freedom and everything else the letter and all sorts of stuff it's going to be a riveting read and a riveting listen the whole oh, it, thing's going to be brilliant oh absolutely it is you know the bottom line for me uh, is that it's already costing her quite a lot of money uh, we've now been told that uh, you know they, she will be questioned on the uh, on the book uh, and yes. the book will be very much a feature of the, of the trial um, so I uh, please reserve me a seat as, as close to the well, uh, close to the, to the witness stand as possible. 
She's lost a little skirmish again this week because they've now said that she can be questioned on the book. And what she has done is exactly what Princess Diana did. She told her friends to sort of say, look, you know, you've got my authority. You have a word with Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durant or whatever, mm. and you can put a, put, put a position, which is what Diana did with the, initially the Andrew Morton book, although we all know that she gave quite a lot more to Andrew Morton. Yeah, do you know, I famously went on, I was in America at the time when that book came out, and I very, I famously went on Fox News uh, and said, listen, there's absolutely no way that Andrew Morton, who I know terribly well, uh, has this kind of insight into what Princess Diana was doing, right? Because I had no idea, right? <laughs> I, somebody somewhere's got the tape, but hopefully it's been destroyed. <laughs> oh, mate, mate, there's a challenge now there for me to try and find that tape. <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, I knew Andrew Morton as the News of the World's Royal Man. I used to work with him, right? And I thought, yeah. no, what chance? I mean, you know, if you'd said to me, this guy has literally spent the last six months, um, you know, transcribing tapes that Princess Diana's been sending him, I would have thought you'd gone completely stark staring mad. Well, when I came out, like you, I worked with Andrew Morton, uh, you know, for a while when uh, when we were both at the Daily Star. Yeah. And I remember Andrew when he was doing it when he was doing this book, and that's what I say. I know he was talking to her friends, and her friends had been given authority to speak. I mean, it shocked me as well when eventually we found out not only were the friends sort of marking his card, but also the, the tapes that she was making for yeah. him But I was a big help. I know. Incredible. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. One last thing. Uh, the Queen yeah. to work from home until next year, uh, it says in a, a piece in the Daily Mail today. Uh, she was due to kind of return to work. I mean, I guess she was always working from home because she was working from Buckingham well, Palace. But, but what does this mean? Well, what it means is the Queen is going to work from home and she is going to go to Buckingham Palace for minor meetings and minor receptions. What the change is, is that they've cancelled all the large-scale receptions and investitures that go on throughout the year at Buckingham Palace. All those people who have won awards like MBEs and CBEs and knighthoods, they won't be getting them in that fashion where the Queen or one other member of the royal family uh, you know, gives it to mm. them. So those are scrapped. But the rest of it, she said she wants to carry on working and will continue to go to Buckingham Palace uh, for those meetings and, and other uh, other duties as well, but will remain at Windsor. Now, she's at Sandringham at the moment, mm. and she's going to move back again to Windsor. Now, the big problem for her is that she's due to spend Christmas at Sandringham, and it looks like that quite a few of her staff do not want to work at Sandringham over Christmas because... It's going to be in a bubble. They're going to be in a bubble for a month or so, and they want to spend Christmas, not unnaturally, with some of their family. Yes. So it could be a big problem. So we could see the Queen actually staying at Windsor. We could see, unless they get other staff to come along and help out, we could see the Queen staying at Windsor for the very first time in a great many years at Christmas. Yes, it's going to be a shame, that. But, uh, Charles, yes. as ever, have a good weekend. It's not very pleasant out there. The old uh, um, Storm Alex has swept in uh, and is bashing uh, certainly the capital of the southeast of England uh, with an awful lot of heavy wind and heavy rain as well. So if you're travelling, uh, do be careful. There could be floods out there. Uh, there's already trees on various lines over railways and stuff like that. So just uh, beware. Uh, and uh, take good care if you're driving around. We will be talking coming up uh, about Donald Trump and the coronavirus, of course, because it turns out that the President of the United States and his wife Melania have tested positive, which means that Joe Biden will now have to have a test. Everybody that was in the room when they had that first debate on Tuesday night will have to have a test. Everybody in the White House will have to have a test. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. It's time to say a very good afternoon to Ms. Olivia Utley. Hello. Hello. How are you? Fresh from Plank of the Week. Now, wasn't it funny that we were talking about Nicola Sturgeon on Tuesday? Uh, she ended up winning Plank of the Week. I don't mind giving it away now because a lot of people have already seen it. Uh, and we did say that there would be a sort of pylon from the old Cybernats, which indeed proved to be the case. Yep. You I'm know, I've been all. swatting them away uh, all week, really. <laughs> I've been enjoying you. And Although I must admit, they've gone a bit quiet since... Uh, uh, Miss Fer- Ferrier uh, has popped up into the news. They haven't really got much to say about that. No, I don't think anyone can have any sort of um, justification for that. It's no. bizarre. I was doing the BBC paper review last night and the presenter was saying, well, perhaps it's just that the rules are too confusing and she didn't understand. Really? Well, if that's the case, then she really is incredible. Incredibly stupid yes. because yes, maybe some of the rules are a little bit hazy, but who on earth ever thought? Where does it say that it's okay to just travel 350 miles across mm. the country with a positive right. COVID test? Exactly. Well, I think for those who have you know broken the rules before, who have been in the public eye and go all the way from Dominic Cummings through to Stanley Johnson, mm. you know, and Jeremy Corbyn, you know, none of them were actually positive in terms of having the disease and spreading it to lots of other people on a train. No, I mean, exactly. it's not, that is not a very difficult one to understand. It's a real hold my beer moment, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, the other thing that I think people find quite extraordinary is that you can't actually fire an MP because I said, well, surely she must now qualify for some kind of recall. I know. Um, because she's done something which has brought her job into disrepute or something. Well, it's almost impossible to get rid of an MP. I remember this with the um, Jared O'Mara story, oh, yeah. that re- very nasty piece of work mm. who sexually harassed one of his um, constituents and lied about some huge thing. Anyway, he finally got the Labour whip removed. Mm. Um, he had lots of problems, very clearly. Um, but it was pretty much impossible to get rid of him. And yeah. he wanted to hang on to his huge salary, yeah. which quite a lot of these people wouldn't be getting in any other circum- circumstances mm. because they're just pretty low quality MPs and yes. wouldn't be able to be earning a salary of 
80 grand or whatever mm. it is anywhere else. So they just cling on um, and people say you must do the right thing and resign, but they don't and there's no getting rid of them. No, exactly. Um, it's quite alarming. It really. really is. And I mean, I don't know what the exact rules are. I suppose we should probably look them up as to what re- what causes a recall to happen. Because that was something that was brought in, I think, in under David Cameron's government. That they said, well, well, there must now be a, there must be a better mechanism to make sure that there is a by election if an MP misbehaves. Now, I presume by that they mean criminal misbehaviour. Because if this doesn't qualify as misbehaviour, I don't know what does. I know, but I remember even um, Fiona Osinea, the, oh, yeah. the, the 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 speeding MP who yes. lied about. It and then compared herself to Jesus yes. rather bizarrely. Right. Um, she hung on for a bit, even even once she'd been arrested. Right. Uh, it's absolutely bizarre. I also find it quite odd how I mean the SNP have some story about this, but she was she, uh, this current MP Margaret Ferrier who we're talking about mm. was tested positive on Monday evening. She was yeah. in the Commons on Monday evening. Why did this story not come out until yesterday, mm. Thursday? And why was the whip not removed until Thursday? Right. And presumably now everybody who was in the Commons at the same time will have to be tested. Apparently not. Know... It's only people who she came into close contact with. Oh, really? Um, but but what... so she was actually in the chamber, though? She was actually in the mm. chamber, but okay. apparently I would say the chamber's small enough that probably most people were within yeah. about two metres of her. Right. So don't really know what the logic is there. This is the strange thing, right? Because people who are confused genuinely about about what they can do and what they can't do, particularly even Boris Johnson when he couldn't describe what happens in the North East. Um, you know, if you could sit in a, in a chamber with lots of other people, but you're at least two metres away from them, then how can you not sit in a restaurant um, after 10 o'clock at night with those kinds of people, with those kinds of space, spacings going on? Absolutely, or at a dinner party in yeah. someone's house or right. at a drink thing. I know, it doesn't seem to make... Any, any no, at all. we're now told. I mean, it's the other thing that came, comes out sort of slightly after the fact is that we're told that Jeremy Corbyn's uh, dinner table scenario was actually a wake. Now, if that's a wake, actually, you're allowed to have, I think, 15 people at a wake. But I assume a wake has to be in a public place, doesn't it? I think so. I, I looked into this and it does seem to be that um, it's got to be in a place which has been deemed by the government as COVID secure. Right, or that means. which is not somebody else's house. No, exactly. So, so cause I, I had lots of friends who were planning Halloween weddings yes. because they wanted to party and right. <laughs> they could just marry someone and call it a wedding. Um, but that actually doesn't work because you're not allowed to do it in your yes, house. right. Mm. So a wake has to be somewhere else. But it's always funny to me that it's all, all the people that say it was a wake... Uh, are all actually very much socialists uh, who support Jeremy Corbyn, yeah. as opposed to people who are completely neutral on, on these matters. Yeah, I've noticed that. Funny Isn't that funny? Now, well. I would have thought the other question I had about Margaret Ferrier was why did she have to go back to Scotland when she knew that she was positive? Because I'm assuming that we as the taxpayer have probably funded her to have a second home in London because Rutherglen, you know, is not commutable, really. I know. I mean... It, the whole thing just absolutely blows my mind. I was trying to get to the bottom of why on earth she could have had to go back to Scotland. I thought maybe she had young kids, but mm. she's 60, so she right. can't have young that's, kids. So that's not the case. So that's no excuse. Um, what was the reason? I mean, the only defence I've heard of her is from an SMP who's, who said, um, well, well, uh, with Margaret, there definitely won't have been any malice. Well, I should hope there wasn't any malice. Malice? She wasn't deliberately oh, intending right. to Oh, so that's OK then. So she, so she wasn't actually... She's just actually... a bit hard of thinking. Really? Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So she also she fit. she was also very outspoken about Dominic Cummings and called for his immediate resignation and firing uh, after the Barnard Castle episode. Right. So it just shows you what hypocrites these people are oh, as well. And it's. I mean. Uh... I know this is a bit of a race to the bottom, but it's obviously so much worse than what Dominic Cummings did. Yes. Uh, he hadn't tested positive. He was in a car with just his family. He yeah. wasn't at 
actually exposing his COVID positive self no. to people on a train no. over 350 miles and then going into the commons. She was speaking in the commons when her positive mm. COVID test right. went through. It's and this is the joke. thing about, like, to, I mean, it's a bit embarrassing for Boris Johnson to see his father Stanley in a shop not wearing a mask. But if you look around the place, there are lots of shops where you can go in, mm. small shops in particular, and normally if you say... Uh, and I've seen people doing it. Uh, do you do you need me to wear a mask? Quite often they'll say no. It's no. okay. Only if you want to, you know. And so it's a very confusing scene, isn't it? All round. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Stanley does make me laugh. It seemed like he was sort of trolling Boris because yeah. when he was asked about it, he said, "Oh, I'm a bit confused about the rules." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Fair enough, I'm, I, I said earlier in the week, I'm not surprised Boris is confused because everybody is. You know, I mean, I'm not absolutely certain about every single rule. And as much as I'm not a minister, I feel as though I should probably know them because I sit here talking about them every day. But I actually am now totally and completely confused about the North East. I don't know what you can do there. Um, and I've just been reading in The Guardian today that um, the local lockdown places in England, certainly, 11 out of the 16 places where there's been a local lockdown, the infection rates have actually doubled. So the local I lockdown know, hasn't it worked. doesn't work at all. And yet they're talking about, in Scotland, doing a proper total lockdown again and possibly here. I know, every time a measure sense, seems, it? It seems very clear that a measure doesn't work, mm. everyone says, right, let's do more of that. It, honestly, I mean, we saw the 10pm curfew come in, which was clearly a disaster. And yeah. then three days later, you've got all those pictures of people on the streets in England having parties outside. Mm. Obviously not a good idea. And then you've got Northern Ireland saying, yep, sure, that looks great. We'll do that as well. Yeah. Um, just don't see the logic to no, it at all. Very bizarre. The other funny story this week, of course, uh, bizarrely or hypocritical story of the week, is the is the uh, European Union threatening to sue Britain uh, in a European court over leaving the European Union in a way that they're not happy about. Well, exactly. And either we do get a deal, in which case the bit of the internal markets law that the bill that the European Union is objecting to won't come into force mm. anyway, so it's a bit of a moot point, or the internal markets bill will come into force the eu won't like it but hey we'll be out of the jurisdiction of the european courts of justice anyway right so it doesn't really matter also the eu apparently i was looking into this this week uh, are always suing their member states yeah. um and it's not really a big deal no so well funny enough we had christine we had christine jardin on yesterday who is a, a big tub thumper for the lib dems from edinburgh about mm. this whole subject and we've actually finally found something to agree on uh, about the whole coronavirus nonsense because she's voted against the coronavirus bill but then she moved off into this airy fairy you know we have a reputation in the world we must not um, you know be breaking agreements that we've made previously and it turns out well hang on a minute everybody does that and there was a, a published a published piece i think yesterday somewhere uh, in which all the countries that were currently having having legal action or having had legal mm. action with or against the eu was absolutely there were, there were hundreds of cases yeah. and every you know spain has 60 cases or something like germany had the breaks international law over the eu every single week practically so i mean it's hardly what it's being described as as this terrible awful once in a lifetime betrayal of a deal no exactly and it's obviously not going to scare the government because we won't be under their jurisdiction anyway so what is the point i think it's just to show they're angry but i mean if they were angry then they'd stop talks and go well for no i wondered deal. if but it they're was far a, too yeah, scared of no deal, I, I, so they're not going to yeah. That. That's right. And I wondered as well if it was just a st another stalling tactic to go, well, if you launch a lawsuit, does that then mean that the October deadline sort of vanishes off somewhere into the distance? Oh, perhaps. But, but they're, they're that, pressing you know, ahead with the talks. I mean, we've been hearing at the Sun today that, that it, it looks like there might be a breakthrough. It looks like we might be going to see submarine talks, which right. is when they sit in a room and just talk it out and thrash out the final details together. Right. So all the noises sound quite positive yeah. about the talks. So what's the point of doing this like parallel 
lawsuit. Yeah. Um, is it supposed to scare us? Because yeah. I don't think it's going to. Well, no. But also, isn't it feeling a little bit like a rerun of last year? where all the same people are saying all the same things about all the terrible stuff that might happen come January when we finally leave, you know, like car parks in lorries, thousands of them all over Kent. You know, the fact that the ports are all going to have, you know, rotting fish coming through and sitting in containers and all the medicine isn't going to be able to... And it's all the same old nonsense that people told us last last year, which which isn't going to happen. Last year and the year before and the year, and before, the year before yeah. and every year since yeah. 2015 when this I know. was first. I know, it really is quite <laughs> remarkable. I mean, I think anyone with half a brain could tell you that, you know, it's not going to be a sort of once-in-a-lifetime agreement that then never has to be looked at again because when we have to come to various different points in in the future you might renegotiate a bit here and there you might go well actually that's not really very good so let's let's talk about that and let's fix that up but as i say to people you know it's not like verve clico is suddenly going to stop selling a champagne or mercedes are going to say well we can't sell them any cars anymore yeah, of course. And well, there'll be new EU leaders. There'll be, I mean, we've already seen in the years since the referendum, we've had all sorts of new EU leaders come into power and that's completely changed the stance right. of the EU. So everything's permanently in flux, mm. as you say. And this is just a kind of building blocks for to, for which uh, later agreements will be changed and yes. et cetera. Um, so all of this grandstanding just seems a bit tiresome and, mm. and ridiculous particularly as the talks are pressing ahead anyway right. so absolutely yeah. and i guess we've got to mention trump uh I'll figure quite big in the paper tomorrow i presume yeah featuring big um yeah as you say doesn't have any symptoms so he could just come out in a couple of weeks and say well i told you all i was yeah. right covid's not yeah. really a thing right um but i mean there's already all sorts of conspiracy theories of course as you would expect of course that of yeah. course he doesn't have it uh, or you know those who are you know in the sort of acting fraternity who are sort of jumping up and down with joy saying isn't it great which is awful, really. I mean, it's I can't so imagine the weird. mentality of somebody who wants to wish somebody ill. It's absolutely bizarre. And I mean, apparently the, the, the death rate among people in their mid-70s is about 11%. Right. So he's got like about a 1 in 10 chance of dying with mm. this illness and people are actually being really happy about it. Right. It's just so bizarre. It really is. It's horrible, isn't What's it? What's progressive about that? Well, nothing as uh, we would know. Olivia Utley, thank you very much indeed, Deputy Leader Writer at The Sun. Uh, the Sun will be full, I'm sure, of lots of Trump stories tomorrow. Uh, don't forget to buy it. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Ian Collins will be here, of course, just before one o'clock to tell us what's coming up on his show. We've got the Perrier Awards coming up with Marta as well in a little while. First, though, uh, it is that time of the day uh, when it's homeschooling time after the news at 12.30. And today, something rather special uh, for you. We've got Nick Dubois, uh, who normally comes onto this show to discuss conservative policy, government policy, whatever is going on. His former MP, of course, himself, author of Confessions of a Recovering MP. He's going to tell us how to become an MP. Nick, very good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mike. I think the first question is, ask yourself, do you really want to become an MP? Yes. That's an important thing. Eh? Right. And will you be able to manage to not get yourself into trouble uh, like Margaret Ferrier just has, the SNP MP for Rutherglen? Uh, it doesn't seem to quite understand what the COVID restrictions are. No, well, there's no explanation for that. I won't even attempt to rub <laughs> more salt in the stupidity of that wound. No, but, quite. Um, now, I suppose... Uh, a, go on, go on, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it does make a point about scrutiny, though, and yeah. it's something that people don't really understand until you come under that scrutiny, uh, and you are basically meant to work to a higher standard 
than perhaps others do some of the time. It's, it's always worth bearing that in mind before you take the path of trying to become an MP. Yes, I think that's very true and a very good point, very well made, because it is um, a, a job that comes with it quite a lot of responsibility and quite often um, a, quite a lot of uh, maybe unfair scrutiny and public ordure. But you just, you, as you say, you have to be ready to deal with that because a lot of people would say, you know, let's get more ordinary people into the Houses of Parliament. But actually there are quite a lot of ordinary people in the Houses of Parliament now, aren't there? Yes, and, and, and I would say, contrary to popular belief, quite a few on the Conservative benches, because, you know, there is this stereotypical image, we've all been to Eton and we've all had the privileged upbringing. Well, far, far from it. And, and it's true to say other parties are much more diverse in backgrounds as well. But I guess the thing to, to really do before you even take that step about wanting to become an MP is you should try and, uh, first of all, really identify which party closely rely allies to you you know put out the newspaper headlines give up on the rhetoric and actually do your homework and try and understand which party better reflects you you're never going to agree a hundred percent goodness i got in trouble when i didn't dis- when i disagree with my own party mm. but the brutal reality is you can't agree a hundred percent with every party it's just unless perhaps you're a, a sort of slightly uh, over the top corbynista maybe yes. where he can do no wrong Well, quite. And I mean, one of the things that people say all the time is, you know, we are kind of strangled in some ways by the party system in this country. It's quite difficult, isn't it, to be uh, to be able to run as an independent uh, in in, in any kind of way, shape or form. Most people who do end up not really being successful. No, I think the most uh, famous independent was Martin Bell, who stood and ran uh, way back in the I think it was the 90s and 97 against Neil Hamilton. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. And and there was a specific issue there. And there was another one who was a doctor where a hospital was being closed yes, down I remember in that. that particular wire forest. Yes. Was. But, Mike, your point is absolutely right. The reason I kicked off by saying you have to look at a party is because that is really the only way you're going to get elected, mm. uh, like it or not. So, uh, And then, of course, you don't just pop your name in and say, OK, I'm ready to become an MP. Uh, please, please, can I start applying for seats? The brutal reality is, as well, you've got to you've got to work at it. You've got to work locally um, and prove your salt that you are prepared to do the hard graft. Mm. So you join your local party. You go out knocking on doors, talking to people. You deliver leaflets when it's pouring down with rain, a bit like today. Yeah. And you you attend lots of functions, and that's that's a good thing because if you're not prepared to go out and knock on doors and basically knock on a stranger's door and ask them what they think and what the issues are you're never ever really going to be a good mp because you'll never be in touch with what people no. think and is it recommended or or is it um, a good idea to try and become a councillor first or is is that not necessary well i never did and it is not necessary but an awful lot of people do that um look i guess i'm slightly biased here because I went into Parliament quite late when I had a business background behind me. I shared the ups and downs of life that so many people do, fought recessions, all those sorts of things, struggled to pay the mortgage, all of that. And I went in quite late and I had a lot of life behind me. A lot of people will, at a very young age, Mm. become a councillor, go and work in the headquarters of the party, maybe work for an MP. And frankly, in 2019, we saw more so-called special advisors being selected as candidates than Mm. we have for a long time. And, you know, there's room for that. But when you get a party packed out with 
professional politicians, that party is ultimately doomed because it can never really successfully reflect what's going on in the real world. No, because the danger of that system is as well that you quite often will see the special advisor becoming a, a, an MP candidate in a place that the party has chosen rather than necessarily a place that they know. Well, very interesting to bear that in mind when you apply. There's two sets of rules. And, and normally you get on an approved list with the, your party of choice. And you have to go through an interview process for that. Mm. And, and, and frankly, two or three days sort of um, assessment where you get locked away in a remote country house somewhere yeah. and they assess whether you've got the skills. And then you have to apply for seats. And that, in normal circumstances, that means every time there's a vacancy announced, you put your CV in, you're an approved candidate, mm. and it's up to the local association to choose you, right. which is why they will always look for someone who's a bit of a worker and a grafter. But in 2019, uh, an election that wasn't scheduled, emergency powers kick in. It's true of the Labour Party as well, and probably the Liberal Democrats, where the party pretty much decide whose name goes forward to an association. Right. And that's when they gerrymander and manoeuvre the people they hold in favour in. And if you're not one of those, you've really got your work cut out. Absolutely right. And a lot of people have got through to the system by kind of trying a few times, haven't they? Like, for example, I know of a few MPs who stood in places where they had no chance of winning whatsoever, but they got experience of kind of campaigning, um, you know, yep. being out there, out there on the stump, knocking on doors and that kind of thing. Um, is that something that you would say is a good idea? Well, first of all, I think, um, you know, if you're parachuted into a safe seat or selected on your own merit mm. for a safe seat from a personal point of view, uh, that's it. You're made. Um, as far as politics goes, you will you will probably have more chance if you want to become a minister because you won't have to nurse a, cons a constituency as much as someone like in my case, where I had a tiny um, majority. I was constantly looking over my shoulder and thinking, at the same time, how do I defend this? Thing? Yes. Um, but to fight one is a good idea. Unfortunately, we, whereas a few years ago, it was almost mandatory for you to fight a losing seat to yes. get that experience, you would then have a much better chance of being selected for a safe seat. Mm. That's kind of gone now, and it certainly wasn't evident in 2019 uh, when the party dropped in pretty much people who'd barely delivered a leaflet in right. some cases. I'm, I'm being a bit unkind, but there are examples of that in the party. No, of course. And is it something that costs quite a bit of money if you are doing it? I mean, obviously, if you're not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about if you're doing it on your own, but if you are doing it for a party, is there any cost involved to the individual? It's huge cost. So first of all, you have to have a tolerant employer yeah. or um, be self-employed yeah. where you can give up the time to go and spend during the day where you have to go as a, ca a candidate. You meet with all the local um, officials, the local bodies. You're going around the voluntary groups, the public services, mm. all at your own expense. Uh, some people have to even and choose to. They don't have to, but the association can require it where you have to rent an apartment there until the election so you right. can have an address there on your electoral um, register. Uh, to be fair, um, and you know I've got a long history of fighting elections, unfortunately um, my results weren't all inspiring, <laughs> right. but uh, I, I think at every election it would have set me back on average about £30,000. Wow, really? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you, you certainly don't go into politics to get rich, whatever people tell you. Mm. Um, and... Uh, and that would be because I fought a seat uh, where I stayed in the same seat since 2001. So I was constantly campaigning. 
And if you have five years of supporting a second apartment, if you have five years of, um, of, of doing activities in the area, fundraising, all that, you basically get through a wodge of money. And um, I know a good book's been written about about that. Is that uh, right? And I, I, sadly, I, f- I forget the author. But it was, <laughs> Is this it, Confessions it was, of a Recovering MP? By no, no, funny enough, that was good of you to mention it. But no, it was um, it was basically why do we get the MPs we deserve? Oh yes, looking at exactly what you are doing. Uh, which is 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 our system? Mm. Is it actually giving us the very best? Yeah. And I think on the whole it is, Mike. I'm I'm a huge fan of Parliament, as yes. you know, despite its shortcomings. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of people quite rightly lost a bit of faith with it towards the end of the last Parliament before the election in December, because it did appear that there were people in there actively trying to prevent what we would regard as democracy going on because of the result of the referendum. But now that those particular individuals have gone, I think it's much more representative now. And and I think that's the point, isn't it? Ultimately, the voter got the say. And yes. I don't think one of the independent group who led so many of the charges to undermine what was quite clearly the will of the British people got re-elected. Uh, and I think that that is something that says, despite all that, despite that frustration... You know, the electorate got the final say. Yes, exactly right. Well, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I suppose it would be churlish for me to say to you, are you ever going to go back again? I suppose you don't want to now at this point. Well, I think, I think to be fair, I've proved the, the adage that there was life before Parliament and there's life after Parliament. I'm thoroughly enjoying the work when I'm working on the talk radio. Yeah. And my, second, my, my first novel is... Um, is the, so, no, I wouldn't. But I also think it's time for other people um, to, to pick up the mantle, uh, yes. which they are doing. So uh, I think I think my time has been well spent and it's time to move on. Brilliant. Well, listen, Nick, always a pleasure to talk to you. We must get you in when uh, the novel's out and we'll talk about that as well. Nick Dubois, uh, the author of Confessions of a Recovering MP, former uh, Conservative MP, of course, as well, uh, telling us how to become an MP. So you better beware, if you ever fancy the idea of it, uh, it's going to cost you quite a few bob by the sounds of it, 30 grand, uh, according to Nick Dubois, even if you're doing it for a party which is more or less supporting you to run in a particular constituency. Fascinating times. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's 12.47, it's Friday, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Happy to see uh, full commitment today uh, for the first time in two weeks because we weren't able to do the Perrys last week. So, yes. uh, welcome to Martin Malagon. Thank you for uh, welcome joining all. us. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Uh, it's been, yes, you're right, it's been two weeks. And just to say as a disclaimer, because uh, I've not really bothered to change the script too much, when I say whatever of the week, yes. just take it as whatever of the okay. fortnight. All right. It's just, That's I, think, fine. I think that the word Fortnite is much more difficult to say than week. It is also confusing to people because they think you're talking about the game, Fortnite. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, so it's <laughs> almost can't, gone out of use as a, a term for two weeks, Yes, I would say. But anyway, just a week with, like, a week, but not yes. really a week. Can be, yeah. But you know what I mean. It can be many things. Anyway, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And welcome to the Perrier Awards. Thank you. Uh, this is where we look back over the past 
two weeks of the so-called Independent Republic of so My Grandma on Talk Radio and choose our favourite moments. Yes. Mike, as it's tradition, the first barrier goes to you Thank and you it much. is the correction of the week. By the way, Mike, I should point out to you at this moment in time that snow leopards don't actually live in cages. You know, they are only put well, there by humans. They actually live in the wild. It's good to know. <laughs> it is good to know. It is good to know. You. I mean, I suppose some might, but they're very precious animals and they shouldn't be in cages no of course absolutely no. not um anyway this was part of a conversation with mark dolan yes and as part of this same conversation you delivered the question of the week but what i'm going to question for you though do you happen to know from your contacts in the inside of government whether or not uh, this 10 o'clock curfew if it is brought in will also apply to kebab shops <laughs> <laughs> i still don't know the answer to that no it does does it it does for you can if only you, get a takeaway. Yes. But you have to they have to get home delivery. Yes. So you can't actually go into a kebab shop no. after 10. Really? No. no. That's ridiculous. But maybe you can stand outside and ask for it to be delivered to the street. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, See, not, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging anyone to break the rules. Please don't break the rules. That's not what I'm saying. No. But, you know, maybe... Well, I mean, that means you have to be last orders at sort of 10 to 10 then. Because it can take sometimes so, yeah. 10 minutes for them to pull the salad in. Yes. All, all the salad that no one ever eats, by the way. I eat it. I Do like you the salad. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you're the first person really? I know that eats the salad. No, yeah, I, I never salad. eat it. And, the and they give you this like green. Yeah, I love is those. it a chili? It's like it's a green like, pepper, yeah, isn't it's it? It's like a pickled chili. Really good. Yeah, I've never tried it. I've almost like. Ugh. No, those are nice. I don't know. Okay. Mm. Well, that's good to know. There you go. There you go. Uh, call it Kenny Luton Windsor Perry for the innuendo of the week. Good afternoon, mate. Can, you... I, can I just stick something in? Go on. It's shocking. Absolutely <laughs> disgraceful. It's a family show. It is. Thank Kenny goodness. Luton. Yeah, Please, thanks, uh, Ken. Don't do that again. Please. Anyway, last week uh, we spoke to Conservative MP for Winchester, Steve Bryan, and he won a perrier for the best start to an interview. So let's talk to Steve Bryan, MP, of course, for Winchester, uh, one of those who is uh, slightly concerned that we are not talking enough before we are doing various things which are very, very um, anti-freedom, you might say. Steve, very good morning to you. Mike, that that introduction was exhausting. <laughs> well, I'm true though. Just listening to you. I wasn't sure if he was being complimentary or not. I don't know either. No. So I've got a feeling he wasn't being. I don't know. I don't think he meant it in a nice way. No, but then but then the conversation went well. It did. Yeah, it did. So I thought we had much, very much more in common than I thought we would have. Yes. Mm. Maybe maybe next time we get him on, you should be like. Hey. That's a shorter intro. Yes. So Here's Steve Bryan. Yeah. Oi, how's it going? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's time now, yes, you guessed it, for the Harry and Meghan impression well, of the week. Welcome to a new TV show, like of which has never been seen before. The only way is Sussex. With me, the Prince of Sussex <laughs> and the Duke of Netflix, Harry Windsor. And my beautiful wife, Meghan Markle. Hey, Harry. <laughs> we came to America to seek our fortune, to become independently wealthy, to make sure that we could have communities of compassion built. Our first community is on pay-per-view. It'll only cost you $9.99 to look inside our house. The first nine series will be on one bedroom each. The next 16 series will be on every one of our bathrooms. Harry, how much money are we making for this? Oh, I don't know. I'm not very good with numbers. Bless him. Very good. Very, very good. That was quite long. I like the music, by the way. Yes, the music was uh, copyright free. Mm, Well done. um, Always good to know. Yeah, I call it Carl. 
Sorted. It's very keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, so kind of I music. believe, which I've never seen, by the way. Yeah, I have. Have you? Yeah, it's one of my guilty pleasures in life. Is it any good? <laughs> Sometimes. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Isn't I like it for when I don't want to think. Yes. And I just want to see I mean, people the having a row. I thought the Osbournes yeah, was quite good. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Anyway, after this um, clip that, that that we played, you spoke to Mark Bukowski, and he delivered the hash comment of the week. Oh, well, Mike, whatever you do, don't go into an impersonating career. <laughs> well, he was wrong about that, though, because Lewis McLeod said that I had quite a good Megan impression. That is very true. Mm. And, you know, this uh, very much unfair criticism of your Harry and Megan impression didn't put you off, because after this, you gave us your Archie impression. What are you doing, Archie? Nothing. Why? <laughs> I haven't got any friends. <laughs> Why? They don't like you. <laughs> Sounds a bit like Megan. It does, yeah. it does. Can um, he speak yet, Archie? I don't know. I don't think so. He's like one year old, right. isn't he? He yeah. was born in May. Yes. So it must be like a year yeah. and a few months. So yeah. I don't think, I don't know. I can't remember when children start speaking. It's amazing what you forget. You know, I'm a parent of four children. Yeah. I can't remember when they, I remember when they started walking. Yes. That's sort of 10 months, ish. Yeah. I don't remember when they started speaking, really. I don't I I don't know. I've forgotten. It was a long time ago. Yeah, indeed. When I did it myself. Yes. But um, anyway, let's go now to Afternoons with Ian Collins. Mm. Earlier in the week, he was talking about Magawa, a mind-detecting rat that won a Medal of Honor, ah, something yes. like that. Producer Ricky has called this uh, pair award Ian's impression of a gangster rat. What would Magara have done in that situation? <laughs> I'm sorry, boys. I've got to help out here. It's just, <laughs> It's my job. <laughs> Very good. I mean, who knew I the guess. rat was a gangster? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a mind detecting rat. Mind detecting. Yeah. Yes, but then it's also a gangster. You don't get many chances to get that wrong, do you? You don't. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Sorry. Anyway, also on Ian's show, we He's got detected one. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> here's here's the wrong namer of the week. Edna is in Essex. Hello, Edna. Hello, Mike. Ian, sorry. That's all right. That's Ian. all we like to hear. I don't think I've ever spoken to Edna. No. No. No, no, no. We've well never done, spoken Edna. to her. So. Well done. Anyway, call us in, Edna. Okay, yeah. four, four. Uh, call it William, William in Oxfordshire wins the Perry for the analogy of the week. It's like the, the, the EU to me is like an octopus. And it's a bankrupt octopus trying to get in and take everything we've got. You know? Exactly. And, and uh, he hasn't got, and he hasn't got eight tentacles. He's got 27, which makes it even harder to fight. Oh. It's when you take the analogy too far, isn't it, really? Yeah. A 27-legged octopus. Yeah, you don't want to see that, really. Not really. It would feed a lot of people, though. It would. F- you see, you're Spanish, so you immediately think of it as food. <laughs> yes. Most people would be dead scared of a 27-legged octopus. Oh, no. Listen, you can, like, throw, like... I mean, obviously not now because it's illegal. Yeah. But you could throw, like, a dinner party for, like, your extended family you and could. just give them a leg each, Well, remember, you know? six only, though. Well, exactly. That's what Rule I'm saying, not now. Unless you're Jeremy Corbyn. Well, of course, yeah. In which case, you know, have many, as many people around as you like. Um, Imagine the size of uh, that, though, because the first time I ever cooked an octopus, I didn't know about how it sort of inflates, right? Yes. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> and I was like, my God, I had, to, I had to put it in a bigger pot. That is quite something, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, just because I'm late, as always, yes. uh, here's the final pair for this week, the noise of the week. Radio. Even my phone started talking to me now. I don't know how somehow I managed to switch that on. I don't even know I had that song. What is going on? I don't even know what the song was. I I don't know what it was. It happens to you sometimes. It does. Well, my Siri went off, right? But because (laughs) I thought the volume was down, I could see the phone talking to me silently going, you know, I can't understand. It was saying, I can't understand what you're saying. Oh, that is bad. Yeah. And And then it suddenly started playing the song. Well, listen. 
And so, I, I'm sorry I don't know. That. It's one of My the apologies. mysteries of life. Yeah. And anyway, that's all for the Predator Awards. There'll be more, hopefully, next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.